Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and the news that a lot of people thought was going to happen, a lot of people swore up and down, no way, absolutely no chance. It's a false flag operation. The Colorado Rockies are feigning interest in Chris Bryant, and he would never have interest in that organization, the one who does nothing but turn off and alienate their franchise stars. And look, there was some legitimacy to all of that. And yet here we sit on this day, March 16th of the year 2022, and it is being reported widely. Uh, I saw it first from Jeff Passan, the third baseman, as he writes it, I I don't think he's going to play third base for the Rockies. We'll get into that. But baseball player former how about this former rookie of the year and mvp and multiple time all-star chris bryant and the colorado rockies are in agreement on a seven year 182 million dollar contract he says sources familiar with the deal tell espn holy uh, cannoli Uh, i was not expecting a seven-year deal we can get into that in a minute and i know a lot of people are going to go straight from hey they were never going to sign this guy to hey they've signed him but they're only going to trade him here in another couple of years but let's live in the moment for for just a bit here and take a look at what this is okay so 182 million over seven years that comes out to 26 a year i wrote this morning not knowing for sure and it was and it was published this afternoon uh on milehighsports.com that i thought basically you know 25 million and under was a really good deal for the rockies if they could get chris bryant for that money because it's essentially less than what they've been paying their superstars in the past and they're not maybe going to be able to expect full superstar production out of him but would i be totally shocked if Chris Bryant puts up more wins above replacement over the next two or three or four years than Nolan Arenado? Not necessarily. Now, I'll still take Nolan in that race, quite frankly, especially now that he doesn't have the Coors Field factor, you know, dampening his war totals. The fact remains that Chris Bryant is a very good, very good, I'm going to say it one more time, very good baseball player, and he makes the Colorado Rockies immediately better. Does he make them immediately contenders? No, I'll get into that in just a second. But again, at $26 million a year, as opposed to $35 million for Nolan Arenado, that was weird. <laughs> that was weird in Fossus, wasn't it? But you get what I'm saying. Uh, you know, is Nolan going to be nine to ten million dollars a year more valuable than Chris Bryant? Maybe, maybe not. And it's in the interim there that the Rockies need to try to make up the value for what they've lost, right? So, you know, and ultimately, it really shouldn't even necessarily be about replacing the value of Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story. I wrote about that today. You've got to include things like the production you're maybe going to get out of Austin Gomber and Eluharos Montero. But ultimately, this really, 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 really shouldn't be about Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story, right? This should really be about the current state of the team. Bill Schmidt has a puzzle in front of him. He can't do anything about the past. There's absolutely nothing that Bill Schmidt can do to go backwards and not alienate Nolan Arenado. He can't go backwards in time and sign Trevor Story to a team-friendly deal in year one or two of his 
career, which is what should have happened with Trevor's story, right? He can't go back and maybe not sign Charlie Blackman to the current contract that he has, which I don't think is terrible, but it's certainly not great unless Charlie really does have a little bit of, uh, you know, the fountain of youth to be found in him. But let's take a look at this thing. It really does smash a lot of the narratives that people like to paint about the Rockies. You cannot claim they're not trying to win. Okay, are they doing it in the smartest way possible? Arguably, no. Does Again, I'll get back to, does this make them contenders? Probably not. But it, does, it just makes them better. Folks, I'm sorry, he's their best hitter now. Right now, he's their best hitter. And, you know, and I expect, you know, CJ Crone to continue to be quite good. I expect guys like Ryan McMahon and Brendan Rogers to take big steps forward. And, you know, when I was being asked some of these offseason and preseason questions about who do you think will lead the team in home runs or RBI or, you know, just overall, if it's OPS plus, pick your offensive stat, right? On base percentage. Those of you, I, I see you on base percentage lovers out there. I see you. I feel you. But, who would lead in those categories? I would usually pick some combination of those three guys. Crone, McMahon, Rogers, maybe Blackman in a resurgent season. Now, right across the board, Chris Bryant is the safe pick for all of those categories. And so, on a deal that's not as hampering as the Nolan Arenado deal, and for a guy who clearly wants to be here. Now, that's another thing too, right? You can't just go out and say, hey, nobody wants to be here. There are a lot of people who in the kind of security blanket of thinking, and look, I understand why a lot of people didn't think this was going to happen. I was leery of it myself, but I, I didn't I didn't ever think that the Rockies were just saying it, just, you know, that's the thing people make up. Well, they're just saying it for the good PR. Like the Rockies know they're not getting good PR these days. And they didn't just sign him for the good PR either. Again, they just added the best hitter on their team for a reasonable price. Did they get a great deal here? I wouldn't say that either. You know, I, I wouldn't say that this is a team favorable contract and I haven't seen yet how it breaks down. So he's 30 years old now. It's going to go through his age 37 season. If they're paying him $25 million when he's 37 years old, you know, there, there are certainly going to be some eyebrow raise moments to be had there. But if it's, if it's structured properly and the Rockies can still build around it, and that's the other big piece, the, the other really big domino that's important here is are they going to continue to spend? Are they done? Is their offseason over? Were the other moves that sort of made up for the amount of money they're not spending on having both Nolan and Trevor, was it just Jose Iglesias and Alex Colome and Chad Cool? Like, is that it? Because if that's it, then at least for this season, it is a bit of a half measure. They've not made themselves. Now, there's still an opportunity that with good luck, now that now they're back in that position, right? With good luck and good health and, and a couple of guys going from pretty good to great. And, and there's a number of players on this team that can that, that are in that category. They can go from pretty good to great. I can give you a long list of them. Austin Gomber, Antonio Sanzatella, Ryan McMahon, Brendan Rodgers. I'll throw in Rymal Tapia and I'll keep banging that drum for my entire life, but he's there. Several guys in the bullpen, Lucas Gilbreth, uh, Alex Colome is at a different part of his career, but you, you don't know what, what range of value you're going to get for him. But without breaking down the entire roster, essentially, yeah, they, they aren't going into the season. Now, this was a big talking point and 
I was eh, shrugged my shoulder kind of about the general idea, but really since 1993, their first year of existence, the Rockies have never gone into a season without a clear like star-level player, right? As much as Trevor Story didn't play like one last year, he still went into the season as a clear star-level player. And they were about to go into this season without one, depending on how you feel about Charlie Blackman, I guess. But I think we all agree he's at 36, you know, past his prime. <laughs> I know how he feels a little bit <laughs> as I <laughs> straighten out my back. But this, like, look, I've I've said for a long time, I don't think he's as good as Nolan Arenado, and he's not getting paid as much as Nolan Arenado, right? Uh, it's funny that these two players have been compared for a long time. They've often competed against each other in MVP uh, candidacies. And, and the year that, that Chris Bryant won, I really did think that Nolan Arenado was the better choice. And I still do. And I don't think Bryant's going to have the same kind of clutch numbers. And he's definitely, definitely, definitely not the defender that Nolan Arenado is. Frankly, nobody is. Nobody has been throughout their career. But he's a player who makes the team better. I think he's got the right kind of attitude. Uh, he's also got, you know, a World Series win under his belt. He brings a certain kind of experience that other players who just come up through the organization, the kinds of guys the Rockies historically have been more inclined to spend the big bucks on, you know, their own, the Todd Helton's, the Troy Tulowitzki's, Cargo, and even, you know, theoretically the first time around, Nolan Arenado, if that was the intention. You know, this is this is a little bit, it is a little bit unusual for them. They sign big contracts, but usually to their own. And so... And this is a guy who's done a lot. Like I said, MVP, World Series champion, rookie of the year. I'm sure he's been on the covers of video games and stuff. Trying to remember, I think he was on the cover of the show one year. Like he really is one of those household name guys. And I do think he completely transforms the Rockies lineup, not into one of the best in the National League, but from one of the worst to one that could potentially be mediocre. And we're talking about a team that won 74 games last year with one of the worst offenses in the National League and with one of the worst bullpens in the National League. If they can take those two things and make them mediocre and continue to let their starting pitching do the heavy work, you know, the heavy lifting there, in a 12-team postseason they're getting close. They're absolutely getting close to a team that can start to challenge for that. And it's really funny because, you know, I think there are a lot of people who didn't really get in on last year and didn't really watch much. And, and for various reasons, whether you were boycotting the season or they just, they got out to such a terrible start, especially on the road. And so maybe you checked out and I don't, I don't blame anybody that didn't watch last year, but if you didn't, you might have missed the fact that the Rockies were nowhere near as terrible as a lot of people thought they were going to be. And it wasn't because they got especially lucky. There are a lot of really interesting things about it, including the fact that if you look at the way they played against everyone who wasn't the Dodgers and the Giants, they were basically a 500 or just above 500 team. Like they really, really struggled against the two behemoths in their own division that ended up winning over 100 games. And look, those two teams aren't going anywhere. Uh, the Padres obviously also are not going anywhere, despite the fact that it looks like they're going to be without Fernando Tatis Jr. for the first three months or so. There's, you never know. Just like we didn't know the Giants were going to win 100 games last year. Nobody had that. Absolutely nobody had the Giants winning 100 games last year. And you know, oh, by the way, he was a part of that team as well. Now, he got traded to them midway through the season, but he, he was also a part of that run. 
Chris Bryant was. And so you bring in a player with this kind of experience, with these kind of accolades, and you you pair him with the young potential stars that the Rockies have, guys like uh, again, I'll say their names. I'll, I'll keep reminding you know people like Brendan Rodgers, Ryan McMahon. Uh, there are several others out there, and, and even players who maybe aren't going to become that big star player, but you're still trying to maximize the potentials of guys like Sam Hilliard and Garrett Hampson and Rymel Tapia. And, and you bring in a guy like this, and look, man, no one, I have never once not never doubted the talent of Nolan Arenado, not never. But if you're not happy being in a place, it's tougher to be all of those things. And Nolan would tell you himself, and and, and he had, he copped to this throughout the years, and I witnessed it up person, that he was up up close and personal that you know he wasn't the best leader or the most vocal like he wasn't a rah-rah guy not really a vocal guy not really a let me take everybody under my wings kind of guy he could do that at times and and everybody can and he should be given credit for the amount of times that he did do that but I think you know he really and other people have written and talked about this as well this isn't just me making this up uh, and I've, I've witnessed it myself he really benefited from the presence of Carlos Gonzalez during the early stages of his career. And even Troy Tulowitzki before that. But definitely, you know, when the team was competing, but in 17 and 18, especially in 17, and they were... They would go through those downtimes like you do every year. And Nolan, look, he, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. He's a passionate guy, and I really appreciate that about him. But we've all seen the times he would blow up at his teammates. He would be screaming at people. He would have these post-game press conferences where he would talk about maybe not wanting to be here anymore, which is really not helpful when you're trying to break out of a slump, right? But there would always be that other guy, that, that Carlos Gonzalez, that uh, sometimes Ian Desmond, but he struggled so much and became you know, such a divisive figure that that was tough. So once Cargo and Para were gone, the clubhouse atmosphere just changed. It did. You won't talk to a Rockies beat writer anywhere who will tell you any different, that the vibes in the Rockies clubhouse didn't change after that. And it's really too bad. And, you know, maybe someday somebody, probably not me, will write a book on how it all went south and what went on. But as I said before, there's really nothing you can do to go back in time and appease Nolan Arenado. He didn't want to be here. He just didn't want to be here anymore. He's texting the St. Louis Cardinals, right? He's texting Adam Wainwright footage of himself in the batting cage. The guy didn't want to be here anymore. Is that the Rockies' fault? You can argue that, yes. But you cannot any longer extend that to say, and it's because the way they do things as a general franchise organization, not the way Jeff Breidich did things, maybe it's the way Jeff Breidich did things, he's not here anymore, right? So maybe it was, but you can't just say, well, because of the way the Rockies do things, no one good wants to be there. No one who's a real star. They don't get, look, there are better players in Major League Baseball. I'm not saying that. He's not Mike Trout. Don't get me wrong here. The Rockies didn't just acquire Juan Soto. I'm not, you know, let's not get it twisted, but you don't get better accolades than Rookie of the Year, MVP, World Series champion, right? Ball players, every single he, Chris Bryan is going to walk in as the new guy in a clubhouse, but immediately have the respect of absolutely everybody there. Everyone's going to know who he is. Everyone's going to know what he's about. Everyone's going to know the back of his baseball card immediately. And that comes with a certain amount of cachet. And if he brings the right attitude, and as a guy who just signed a big fancy new contract, who's, you know, wasn't happy, you know, talk about a team, he he wasn't happy with the Cubs. 
right? He was really, really angry with the Cubs. And remember that one of the things that he was angry with the Cubs, and I am not about to break into CBA conversation, don't worry, but one of the big things that Chris Bryant was always angry about the Cubs over was the, the way they manipulated his service clock. Right. And that was a that was a big conversation during this last CBA. Essentially, what they did was they didn't let Chris Bryant make his major league debut until about a month after he should have, despite the fact that he was obliterating minor league baseball. And everyone knew that Chris Bryant belonged in the majors. The Cubs waited until this arbitrary deadline. <laughs> the owners know how to do one thing. It set arbitrary deadlines and it passed so that they would get an extra year of control at the end of Bryant's contract. That extra year ended up being this last 2021 season, right? Where he was very unhappy throughout, talked about it. The Cubs were non-competitive and ended up selling him to the Giants at the trade deadline. So that's what the Cubs got out of that service manipulation. The Rockies, very famously, or maybe infamously, didn't do that the very next year with a young man you may have heard of named Trevor Story. So it's ironic that we could be talking right now about the final year of Trevor Story's contract if the Rockies had played that manipulative game. But they saw that Trevor Story was the best shortstop for the job coming out of that spring training. Remember, they were just off of the Tulo trade and all the... Uh, nonsense uh, with a, and I'm totally blanking on his name and and good rid- Reyes Jose Reyes, uh, good riddance to that guy. But yeah, the that whole situation. And instead of waiting the month, they played Trevor Story. And you know, I don't know to what extent Chris Bryant was thinking about that. I don't know. Maybe he likes the clean air of Denver. Maybe he likes mountains and snowboards. Maybe he just. It's the right contract. Maybe it's the Coors Field thing and he wants to hit. And he and because he's already got, as I've mentioned, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say it again, Rookie of the Year MVP in a World Series ring, maybe he really is just, you know, hey, let's pad some numbers and get into the Hall of Fame. And, you know, I've watched a lot of Rockies baseball over their years of existence and, and my years of existence, which run roughly parallel to each other. And there have been a lot of seasons where there wasn't much to watch. There have been a lot of seasons where I knew they weren't going to win many games. And who knew what you were really watching? And there are worse things than saying, hey, maybe the team will still be mediocre, but this guy's going to try to make a legitimate case for the Hall of Fame. Again, if he sticks around for all seven years, always the possibility of trades and, and things change and all of that. But I also think that the Rockies are trying to pull off a similar trick to what they did back when they lost too low. And... You know, people thought, well, God, this team's never going to be competitive again. And then they turned around in 17 and 18 and were better than they really ever were during the cargo and too low eras with, you know, bigger, more known superstars until those guys grew into them. So who's going to be that guy? Will, will they have those kinds of McMahons and, and Rogers, you know, kind of grow into the role? Or is it going to be more of a veteran led team with Crone, Blackman and Bryant? Well, now they have this kind of interesting mix of those things and, Look, it's just not it's just not a terrible lineup anymore. It's gone from one where you go, man, if CJ Crone just had that career year out of nowhere and he can't repeat, this lineup's gonna have a hard time producing too many above average bats, right? They they're really they're counting on the Rogerses and the McMahons of the world. But now those guys can it's not like they can relax and be like, hey, we don't have to be good. And I promise you neither of those players is, is relaxed. They're driven to be the absolute 
best hitters that they can be. But you know, intrinsically, you know in your heart, you know in your gut, when your team's success is reliant on you being a driving force of the offense versus just you being a contributor. Those are totally different things. So if there's going to be more DHing with Charlie Blackman, if there's a, you know, the middle of your lineup is now Chris Bryant, CJ Crone, Charlie Blackman. That's the middle of your order in, in some order, probably not that order. Uh, and that's, that's pretty solid. And then it's really about what you can get out of the rest of those guys. And, and I keep mentioning the pieces because those are the ones that can take them from, ah, this lineup, it's a couple of guys you worry about and then, all these kids who never really panned out to you've got to worry up and down about the lineup. One thing, a lot of people, you know, I'm, I'm totally married to Ryan Altapia and the leadoff spot. I get that other people aren't, but I was reminded recently about Connor Joe in the leadoff spot and the kind of on base that he brought and his 117 OPS plus. If you've got a lineup that goes like Connor Joe, Charlie Blackman, Chris Bryant, CJ Crone, Ryan McMahon, Brandon Rodgers, you know, you you those are some good hitters you've got all of a sudden if Joe is for real. That's another big like X factor who, you know, I, I keep forgetting to bring up in a lot of these conversations. Sam Hilliard, another guy who's absolutely got 20 home run, 20 stolen base power. So on the one hand, I'd really love to see the Rockies go and get one more bat. And, you know, we can have the conversation about positions and positioning, and, and and we probably should. I've said before, I wouldn't play Chris Bryant at third base unless they really, really are going to go with Ryan McMahon at shortstop, which, very curious about that. But if not, you know, leave McMahon at third, leave Rodgers at second. Again, unless you want to do Rodgers at shortstop, McMahon at second. I'm okay with all of that. But if you're if you're really not going to get quite that creative with it. You want to leave Rodgers where he feels comfortable at second. You want to leave McMahon where he's been absolutely fantastic at third. You need extra pop in your outfield anyway. Putting Chris Bryan out there and left, I, I really don't. I think I don't think he's going to be a great left fielder. Don't get me wrong. There's going to be a couple of times throughout the year. I'm sure people are going to say, like, you you said put this guy in left. And I was like, I didn't say I was going to love watching him field some of those balls into that tough gap every time. But he's going to make up for it more often than not with his bat. You know, and ultimately it's on the pitcher to not let too many hard balls get hit in the air. Like, just don't let them hit line drives in the air and that won't happen too often. Uh, You know, your pitching staff can minimize that to an extent. This is a good move. It just is. There's, you know, I'm I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people who want to ridicule it for the context of it. Because it doesn't make sense that the Rockies will let go of Arnauto and Story and then sign Brian. I did all the math. I wrote about that today. I hope you go and check it out on milehighsports.com. And, you know, I think there are going to be a lot of people who fairly, like I've said, you know, the entire time here are going to say, this doesn't make them contenders. Like for the NL West, it might not even get them into the postseason. They're still going to need either another move or two or a lot of things to go their way. But... This is a very good player on a very reasonable team who makes the club immediately better, who raises their floor considerably, who's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to chatting with him in the clubhouse and all those kinds of things. And so, you know, in a vacuum, it's just a good move. It just is. 
And the rest of the context is going to have to play out over the coming days and weeks. And obviously the, the ultimate answer only comes once they start playing the games. The W's have to come or not. If the Rockies have a 72 win season and are otherwise, you know, just really, really bad, they'll, they'll catch a lot of flack for this kind of move, you know, not recognizing their contention window or whatever. But I really would have thought right after the heels of all this CBA talk and fans sort of generally agreeing across the board that teams trying to lose on purpose or trying to get worse on purpose is is a bad thing and the teams should be spending money and teams should be trying to get better. Oh, by the way, you can buy $4 tickets to go to the rock pile anytime you want. Or if you're a kid or a senior, $1 ticket for the rock pile. You can go see the games. You can go see a team that is trying to get better, that is paying money to players who deserve that kind of money and have earned it throughout their careers and and hopefully will continue to earn it. And so, yeah, you know, that's that's my final thoughts on it here. I'm going to wrap up the podcast version of it, move into the Q&A. Remember, if you are listening to the podcast version, if you're just in the spaces, make sure you got the 20th and Blake podcast downloaded on your regular podcast app. You're swinging by there on Mile High Sports all the time. I really appreciate everyone's support there. And if you're listening to the podcast, make sure you're following me on Twitter at Drew Creaseman so you can swing by some of these spaces, listen live when big news happens, and maybe hit me up for Q&A at the end of it. All right, I finished the Q&A with folks, a whole lot of fun, and I won't, you know, regurgitate the entire thing for you here, but one thing I did wanted to say was that we ended the conversation with the recognition here that the Rockies have to make a couple of spots now on their 40-man roster, and as we were collectively in the room looking for players to cut or trade we were looking at a lot of players who have something to offer the team. They're not star players. They're maybe not the next big thing, but all players who, you know, bring something to the table. And and you start thinking about, man, maybe you don't want to necessarily get rid of that player. So, well, again, one last time before I sign off, nothing that's happened in the last week or so has turned the Rockies from pretenders to contenders. They shouldn't be favorites to win the World Series or the National League West or maybe even a postseason spot at all. But they're much better than they were before the week began. And they're certainly going to be much more watchable. They're going to be much more enjoyable. And maybe, just maybe, they are going to be able to sneak their way into some contention. we got a lot more interesting season ahead of us now for sure. No way around it. You can't argue with that. It's going to be a better ball club than it was without Chris Bryant on it. So let's watch it. Let's have fun with the game. Spring training starts here in just a couple of days. I'm going to be headed down to spring training in a couple of weeks or so on the 28th going to be headed down for that kind of final stretch of spring training just before the regular season starts i'll be getting some one-on-one conversations reporting back from there can't wait to share my thoughts on all of that with all of you and of course to break down even further what this move means not just for chris bryant but for other players on the team what the lineup should look like what the position should be you know whether or not they should do some finagling in the line up from day to day or kind of try to have a set one those types of things got to dive into all of it so keep it right here on milehighsports.com and at the mile high sports podcast network thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome you know that i will continue to be absolutely drew creaseman and until next time i will see you at the ballpark